On today's episode of Scientific Healing, you're going to hear... And I didn't realize I had a problem with sugar until I tried to give it up at 14 because I was so depressed, pre-diabetic, hypoglycemic, um, and had suicidal thoughts. And so they put me on a hypoglycemic diet, so taking the sugar out. And I literally felt like a drug addict that was, you know, placed in a facility that had to uh, withdraw. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Scientific Healing Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. I know the power of vibrational healing by combining physics and ancient healing arts to develop my own system that has amplified results with thousands of my clients and healing students. When you are ready to feel energized at the end of the day after working with your coaching or healing clients all day long and still expanding and growing your practice, go to scientifichealer.com forward slash energize me or connect with me at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. Well, today I'm gonna, we're going to talk about sugar addiction. It is huge in this country. According to various reports, Americans consume between 150 and 170 pounds of sugar per year. This is like a half a pound a day. This is really, really critical. No wonder we have an obesity epidemic and an illness epidemic. And my next guest has a lot to say about this and how you can kick a habit that is just as powerful as cocaine. Sherry Strong is an award-winning speaker, chef, nutritionist, food philosopher. She was the Victorian Chair of Nutrition in Australia, Melbourne President of Slow Food, and the co-founder of the World Wellness Summit. She has worked with elite athletes, billionaires, celebrities, CEOs, and everyday folks like herself to transform the way they relate to food and their body. Sherry is the founder and creator of the Sweet Freedom Project, which includes a multimedia transformational platform dedicated to helping people get sugar-free naturally for life. Welcome to the show, Sherry. I am so delighted to have you here. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm really inspired that someone like you is taking on this subject on your show, so thank you. Oh, you're most welcome, and I know, you know, I have, I have my own little issues with sugar. It is my only vice that's left. I don't have, I don't take any stimulants in. I never smoked or drank. I don't do any kind of alter, mind-altering anything, and I eat really healthy, drink a lot of water, herbal tea, but sometimes I just have to have that little sweet thing, and I'd love to love to kick the habit, so I can't wait to hear your perspective on things. So I, I read a little of your story about how you got so sick and tired and how getting off sugar dramatically changed your life. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other people in this very same situation. Could you share what happened in your own words? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation to do that. Um, I was born an addict. So basically from birth, I was fed what I call a lethal recipe of refined sugars, oils, salts, grains, and chemicals, which was really typical in baby formula in the 60s. And it still happens today in baby formula. And what it does is it sets a baby up for addiction. So as a species, the human species, we're an addictive species. You know that as you know, any doctor can tell you, right? You know we're an addictive species. And in nature, it was great because that set us up to win. But in the supermarket, our physiology that has given stronger physiological desires for food that you had to work hard for in nature has now got it instantly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I grew up an addict from, from birth and I didn't realize I had a problem with sugar until I tried to give it up at 14 because I was so depressed, pre-diabetic, hypoglycemic, um, and had suicidal thoughts. And so they put me on a hypoglycemic diet, so taking the sugar out. And I literally felt like a drug addict that was, you know, placed in a facility that had to uh, withdraw. And I did it maybe for a few days. I don't even know if I was successful to go a whole day without sugar at that time. But it kind of went to the backside. I kind of had an inkling. I knew that I was addicted to sugar. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s. And I was a chef in Australia. And I literally had professional license to eat. And uh, I ate. And not only that, I was away from my family. I moved to another country. I was married to someone who liked a lot of freedom. 
So I was super lonely. I didn't, I wasn't getting my needs met, you know, and I, I didn't know how to actually meet my needs. And so one of the ways I figured out was sugar became my best friend. And I used to start off the morning with half a liter of Sara Lee Ultra chocolate ice cream and didn't stop eating sugar the whole day. Like it literally, while I was eating sugar, I'd be thinking about my next hit, you know, and went to bed with a full sugar belly and woke up with that kind of sugar coma and feeling terrible. And, you know, I reached a threshold where enough was enough. I remember rolling in, over in bed one time and then my stomach followed. It was like there was two two bits of oh. me. Oh my goodness. And and I just remember going, you know, I was twice my size. I was like, not 10 foot four, haven't had a massive height reduction. And I thought, this is not the body that I'm meant to be in. I've actually been gifted, blessed, whatever, you know, uh, evolved to have this amazing, amazing body. And this is just not right. So I managed to lose that weight at that time without dieting. I started running. I started, you know, getting physically active. And through my physical activity, um, it started to heal certain parts of me and it started a desire to eat better. I, as you had mentioned in my bio, I became the Victorian chair of Nutrition Australia and I had a cooking school and I was doing these low-fat, quick and easy meals for people. And I did that when I was actually twice my size. So I always wondered if my students wondered whether I was eating any of this food or I was just eating all of that food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I broke free from that really deep uh, sugar addiction, the, you know, the hardcore sugar addiction. And I went on to then, you know, help other people in the food coaching and the speaking and presenting business in Australia. But I had a dirty little secret, you know, I still was eating sugar. So I wasn't freebasing it anymore. wasn't starting off the morning with ice cream, you know, um, but it had crept into my life. And I, I refer to, I was just wanting it, you know, I'll just have one glass of wine here, just one cup of coffee with some sugar in it, or just one croissant at the farmer's market or just one ice cream. And you just want it, you know, throughout the week. And you realize you're actually taking in a lot of sugar. No, it's not half a pound, like, you know, the typical person or where I was before, but it creates this dull, low level of, it just takes, well, you know, and everything but energy. It really suppresses your energy. It pushes your energy down and you're still, I was still using it as a crutch um, to deal with any kind of discomfort rather than dealing with discomfort. And so I then, um, I almost lost my mom. And it was definitely in part from complications from her eating, her eating patterns and sugar played a big part of it. And it kind of snapped me into this awareness. And in particular, when she was in the hospital, um, admitted for liver and kidney failure, um, and we didn't know whether she was going to live. And the, there was a woman beside her in the hospital who, if you looked at her, you would have thought she was healthy and a fit woman, around the same age as my mom. And she was actually in the hospital because she broke her leg during a diabetes-induced stroke. Wow. And she's in the bed in the hospital, and her family comes in and brings in a tray of 24 donuts and sets it at the end of her bed for her to munch on during her stay, you know, thinking, well, she's got insulin. She doesn't have to worry about it. She's in the hospital. It's not like she's going to fall. And it was just one of those, you know, really, you know, kind of clarifying moments where I just thought, okay, I need to take this on. And I wasn't ready to do it myself, give up sugar, but I knew in the process of doing it, I would get ready. Yes, exactly. And I know even if I am going through a, a completely no sugar period, just eating a, a high sugar fruit like banana mm -hmm. can start the cravings from morning till night. And I'm really keenly aware of it. So I tend to not eat a lot of fruit. And if I do, it's a what we call low glycemic fruit like berries and those don't do it but if I eat a half a banana then the rest of the day is like I'm white knuckling it so I, I really understand that that grip it has on you and the other thing that's really interesting is that uh, most people if you put a packet of sugar in their hands their actual physical strength they don't even have to eat it their physical strength will decrease by orders of magnitude, really. My dad, who uh, this, we tested him 20 years ago, and he could hold his arm out and I could hang on him. I could hang my entire body weight on him and he wouldn't budge. And I put like, we put the sugar bowl in his hand and I could push his arm down with one finger. 
And he's going, wait, 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 let me hold it. And I just, it's okay, you got it? Then I push it down with one finger and he goes, wow, that's like really profound. It is. How much it changes your, your physiology and biochemistry instantly without even eating it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that's um, really, you know, humans have lost and why I value your work is because, you know, we, we were a mammal. We are a mammal. We like mm-hmm. to think that we're beyond mammals, but we're a mammal. And we survived in nature in large part due to our kinesthetic, you know, ability and our relationship with, you know, living plant foods. We knew what was good for us. We knew what wasn't good for us. We knew what we needed to heal. We knew what would make us sick. And when we lived in harmony with that, we were fine. It's as we disconnect and deviate from nature physically and our nature, mm-hmm. you know, using all of those tools, we get into trouble. Yes, exactly. So you mentioned that it's a true, it's a true addiction and it can, it can compromise your immune system. I think it only takes 100 grams of sugar, which isn't very much, to completely compromise your immune system. You can get sick really easily. So what is it that's so hard about kicking that sugar habit? Well, if you look at how sugar's made, it's made. I remember studying when I was a chef in the early 90s, like 91, and I was reading a book on food and cooking and I saw how sugar was made. And I was like, yeah, I've never made heroin before, <laughs> but I'm fairly certain these processes are very similar. They are. They are a process, right? Yeah, right. So you, opium sap in its natural state is not addictive or toxic. It has opiates in it. It gives you a little buzz, just like a coca leaf. Same thing when you're hiking, just like a cup of coffee, it gives you a little buzz. But when you refine those and use heat, macro, micro, you're removing the macro micronutrients, including the phytochemicals too, you end up with this pure white substance, you end up with something that's toxic and addictive. The more you process it, the more addictive it is. That's why artificial sweeteners are worse than sugars because they go through more processing, unnatural processing, chemical restructuring. And half a packet of Splenda can literally, or one packet of Splenda can wipe out 50% of your microbiome, you know, in your gut, the healthy biome, you know. Wow. So, yeah. So it's really nasty stuff. And then if you do the same thing with cocaine and then cane sugar, if you've ever had a glass of cane sugar in nature, it's hard to actually finish a glass. And it's because it's chock full of nutrients, right? Particularly when it's unpasteurized or unprocessed. Um, you, it's just really hard. But when you actually start to remove all the macro and micronutrients, you change its chemical structure. So it becomes an addictive, toxic, clear white substance. And we're showing now, the science is showing us that it lights up the brain's dopamine receptors eight times more than cocaine. And it lights up not just it brighter, but more parts of the brain. So it's a highly addictive substance. And now it's in everything. It's everywhere. It's cheap. It's, it's really hard to avoid. Like, Beef jerky. Who would have thought that beef jerky would be 33% sugar? Yeah, I never buy that stuff because I look at the package. You know, I read packages and almost everything has sugar. So I always say, eat one ingredient foods. It's the safest way to do it. It is. Yeah. So getting off of it um, is one thing for the physiological thing, the piece of, of getting it out of your body. But what most people don't realize and why this kind, most of the sugar programs only work for a short period of time is because they're, they're just treating the symptom, take away the sugar. But what's happened now is we've developed these neuropathways of habituating ways of being that when I do this or I see this person or I you know, socially do this or someone triggers me, I have my go-to sugar thing. When I drive here, I drive along here so I can get this thing. When I have my coffee, I have this many pumps. of. You know what I mean? It's... And it's funny because one of the people in my program was saying, she said, I had no idea how my whole life was structured around sugar. And now when I don't have sugar, my social life changes. My, the time that I'm using changes. I have all this time and I don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, that's really, really true. I, I know that. Um, I've experienced that with when I changed my diet drastically. I've done it, you know, gradually over the years. And now people go, how can you eat like that? And I go, just get used to it, right? It's just a series of habits. And so you said a really important word is habit. Mm-hmm. So most of our lives are run by habits. We have very little discretionary t- brain power. Like those are the, the, the way we transform that discretionary brain, brain power and everything is run by habits. So mm-hmm. digging into the habits, that's really important. So I just wanted to highlight that for people is that when, when you're making a change, 
it's going against the stuff that's already wired into your body because the subconscious is 99.998% of your mind and that's where all the habits are running. That's what keeps your heart pumping and changes your biochemistry when you're upset or happy or whatever, even your posture. So that's all run without you knowing it. And it's really important to get into good habits and it takes at least 90 days. It's not like 21 days. So I'm sure you have a solution for that. So yeah. who, who is it that seeks you out and, and how do you help them? Well, first of all, the, the people who tend to come to me have been the people who have done all the diets and they're realizing, you know, the diet piece is not working. So my background is a chef and nutritionist. So food's definitely a part of it. But what I've learned excuse me, she knows. Um, and uh, what I discovered is that when I worked with people, just the food piece, they would have this much success, right? When I started to work with them by bringing in the philosophical uh, understanding our relationship to nature and the philosophy around food of developing a healthy relationship with food, our body and the planet, they had this much success. When I got them into the kitchen cooking, no matter where their stature was in the world. So I've had billionaires who can hire, you know, full-time chefs to cook for them in a class peeling almonds to make almond milk <laughs> with me. So, but what it does is it changes our relationship. And, and I bring in philosophies that help people understand that when you make almond milk from scratch, you have a very different relationship with understanding how it nourishes you versus the almond milk you get in the container. It tastes different. It feels different in the body. It has, it, it takes different resources from the planet. And you can't teach that necessarily just online. So I had that kind of success. But then when I started to move into a concept I call hypernourishment, and I started to get people to divide their life in the four quadrants. That's why I call it hyper, based on the, the mathematic, you know, beyond three dimensions. So we've got the four dimensions of our life, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. And what I started to notice with people is that if I started to work with them to look at what was toxic with, within their life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and started to remove that or replace those behaviors um, or thoughts with nourishing versions, that once they actually started to make those changes in the mental, emotional, spiritual, making changes in the physical became so much easier because you started to address the underlying causes as to what was driving them to have sugar or refined processed foods in the first place. So when you start to do that and working with those behaviors of getting their mindset so they understand the philosophy, they understand how we're actually meant to be relating to food. So they're not walking into a supermarket at the, and being a victim of all the nutritional marketing and you know all the kind of uh, manipulated science to promote certain products. And you know, you, you're not... A, tra a trend or a fad follower you actually have a knowing to eat with the seasons seasonally locally organically and whole and then you start to learn to prepare your food and you organize your life so that you have nourishing things in all you know wherever it is you're traveling your home you know however your life is set up and you have non-food tools that basically help you when you're triggered so and we all get triggered I had an incident the other day where I get my spring water from the mountain, I drive to the mountain, I drive through the city and up the mountain to go and get my spring water. And for the second time since I've lived in Vancouver, they've capped a spring. This was another spring they've capped. So there's only one left and it's not a, a very trustworthy source. And I have a huge attachment to getting my own spring water. Like not just because I love the flavor of it, I know it's pure and it's clean and what it does for my body. But I've got, I, I have an ego thing about it. It's like, you know, I love the fact that I go and get my water and I was excited and it was all sunny and beautiful. And I get to the spring and I'm in disbelief. I literally went through all the stages of grief and I spent two hours on the way home crying. And it's not just because of the, those aforementioned things that I have. It's because I believe it's, you know, another universal right that humans should have to access spring water, you know, to be able to gather that for themselves and it's being taken away from us and bigger picture things. And it made me grieve a lot. And in the past, I definitely would have made sure I drove home via bakery. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. And because of obviously the work I do and what I'm teaching, and I'm certainly not 
um, impenetrable. <laughs> yes, we're all but works in progress. <laughs> yeah, but I knew I had some asparagus at home, and this might sound kind of goody two shoes for people, but this is no ordinary asparagus. It was just freshly picked, and it has a very different flavor than when it's being put in cold storage and, and shipped and everything like that. And and I got home, and I was emotionally eating. I know that I was hungry too. I ate that asparagus with such emotion and pleasure and mm-hmm, nourishment. Mm-hmm. But had I knew I didn't, had I not had that at home, that thing that, you know, is nourishing for me, that is also a treat for me. I could actually see myself deviating from a bakery, even deviating towards a bakery, even though I teach this stuff. So it's about equipping your life and having the non-food tools. And fortunately I had a call that I got on a coaching call afterwards, which was another thing that I knew I was going to. And, you know, um, was really helpful and helped me show up. But when people get all of those pieces in place, uh, it's amazing how it just kind of pushes the sugar out. And when, when I work with people, we have four weeks in our program where I'm not asking you to give up sugar. I have a seven-day eat less sugar challenge during that time. I have lots of awareness tools, but I'm getting your life set up, the program gets your life set up. You do the work. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> <laughs> where you're getting set up so that when you actually go to give up sugar, it's not like this huge, um, scary thing. You actually start to get excited when you go, okay, I'm ready. That's really interesting. So you touched on several points in that. So the first, the spiritual, emotional, mental, and before you hit the physical, this Mm -hmm. is actually the process of energy healing. So you're, you're healing their spirit and sugar is the need to make your life sweeter because it's not good right now. So that is a a really, a a really important point. And the other thing that you said that I really liked was talking about how different something freshly picked taste. And um, I, when I I lived in Germany for 13 years and we lived right in the farmlands. And so we could go, there's something, they grow asparagus underground. So it's white Mm -hmm. and you can't eat it the second day. You have to buy it and have it that day. Otherwise the next day it's bitter. And so we'd go to the farmers, they'd pick it in the morning and they're only allowed to pick it for six weeks. So they pick it in the morning, you go there um, early in the day and then you cook it right away. And it's a, it's a delicacy and there's nothing like it. They, they don't grow it here like that. So I understand entirely. And it's the same way with a lot of fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and most of the stuff, the reason why you see so few Uh, so few varieties in the store is because they don't hold up. The flavor doesn't hold up because I would pick apples straight off the orchard and I'd take them home and eat them within the first day or two. And uh, if they lasted longer than that, they tasted mealy, dry, boring, all that, that pizzazz went out. So I encourage everybody to go pick your, your fruits and your vegetables and go get them fresh and eat them or grow them in your backyard. So yeah, and another piece around that, that fruit piece is that um, fruit gets most of its nutrients infused into it during the ripening process. So the flavor compounds, aroma compounds, and color compounds, most of it comes in the ripening process. So most of the fruit in supermarkets is picked green. So mm-hmm. it's picked before the ripening process. So it's picked before all those nutrients are infused into the fruit, which is why if you've ever had a supermarket apple and you're eating it thinking, I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not enjoying it. That's why it's because it has a sweetness. They've learned how to create that piece, but the nourishment isn't there that I like, you know, when you've had a piece of fruit off the tree and it's warm by the sun, I mean, I've had it and I've been like making that mm, that all have what she's having noises. Cause it's so, <laughs> it absolutely is true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And uh, it's, we, we have stuff growing here. My dad has had a garden, you know, most, most of our lives and he's still growing one, even though he's turning 87 soon, like in the uh-huh. next month, but he still grows it. We still got tomatoes and apricots and, you know, apples and things out in the back and mm-hmm. just to go out in the backyard and pick it and put it in your mouth. You can't buy it. Yeah. And so I, I can tell the energy of a substance right? So, so most fruits and vegetables, when you get them really fresh, have a really high energy. And by the time they've gotten to the store, it's somewhere around 60% of its original energy. And like you said, they are picked green. 
Yeah. Like everything is picked green and ripened in the trucks and they just spray ethylene in it to get it to get it to ripen. And yeah. <laughs> that is not the right way to have food. Yeah. And that's why we're we are nutrient and that's why we seek out sugar because our bodies are nutrient depleted. Yeah. Right. We're all seeking to feel better. And mm-hmm. For the first part of the sugar hit, we'd feel better, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's part of it. But I would say most of the people that I've worked with over the last 20 years when they come to me are malnourished. And we're talking about, you know, affluent people, celebrities, athletes, you know, people who have access to resources, information, mm-hmm. uh, you know, money, n- nothing's stopping them. But the way we're eating as a species our food, just like that lethal recipe I spoke about, how they make baby formula, refined sugars, oil, salts, grains, what happens is it's in everything. There's a combination of it, sometimes all of it in a food, and all the nutrients have been depleted. So the body's saying, feed me more, I'm not getting what I need. And it feels terrible after that food. So we always choose, um, well, not always, we more often than not choose a food that gives us a corresponding high to the low that it's created. It's like if you're feeling down here, you're feeling terrible, uh, you're upset, you know, boyfriend's broken up with you, you know, being fired from your job. Most people don't sit in front of the television with a big bowl of carrots or broccoli, right? <laughs> they choose something that's going to give them a corresponding high to their low, even if, even if they know the crash is going to come. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah really interesting. So what's a typical result of when someone comes to you and gets gets help? Well, I think probably the, the big thing is um, that they, they get uh, a sense of peace that comes from understanding how it is we're meant to be eating. So ending nutritional confusion. And that's a big piece. And that's not just something they, that they take with them or take away for seven days, 30 days or an eight week program. It's now a way of actually understanding. So you can't be fooled and manipulated by the next. Okay. You're- thing that um, people, you know, eliminate the processed food. So that means that they are going to um, sleep better, wake up better, feeling more refreshed. They're going to have more even moods throughout the day. They're not going to have that 3 p.m., you know, killer craving kind of moment um, that they're not going to be, you know, yelling at people in traffic as much. (laughs) Um, They're going to be able to, sorry. Yeah. So they're, so they're really becoming transformed into the healthy human being they were meant to be. Yes. And their thought processes get clear so they can make better decisions and then it just builds on each other. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. That's what happens when I work with people with energy, the same thing. Mm -hmm. And what happens is so I build, I get their energy up, and then they start making better choices. So I find that the the human body is really interesting. If you stand up straight and smile, you feel better. But when you feel good, you stand up straight and smile anyway. So it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you work in. It's just what what someone needs. So that's really awesome. I, I love that. And that also you, that you address those, those other aspects in their lives. So let's take a little break and then we'll come back. So I want to remind all of our listeners, you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. And today my special guest is Sherry Strong, chef, nutritionist, and advocate of real food diets. When we return after the break, we'll dive deeper into a process and show how you can kick this dangerous addiction and why you should. You can actually do simple physical manipulations on yourself to change your mental, emotional state, release blocks, and even um, release things like pain in your body. And of course, the backup to all of these techniques, the backup is to work out also the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, and then relieve the physical. Um, I have a process that does that. We go through um, one step at a time and clean up all of, so you didn't, whatever condition that you have, whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical, whatever condition that you have, especially if it manifested in the physical, was usually years in the making. 
You didn't get it overnight, years in the making. One of the ways that I work is I find out when something uh, got manifested in your body, like go back to that year and then rewrite the story, uncreate the story, redo the story. So it's as if it never happened. It's as if, <clears throat> if you imagine your life as a tree and here you are at birth and each decision that you make will create a different branch, right? So you have all these branches of possibilities and you're ending up somewhere along the branch. And by doing energy work, it's as if you did not make that decision and instead you made a different decision and you end up on another branch. So that's the way I view energy healing with regards to, to whatever your life is now. And the great thing is that we are infinite beings of light, powerful beings of light, and we can change our history and we can rewrite things and we can create whatever life we want. And I'm ready to have a conversation with you if that's what you'd like to have in your life, either learn it for yourself or to um, have me help you with it. So I have my contact information is scientifichealer.com forward slash contact or scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. So you can either write me or have a conversation with me and I always answer the, you know, I always answer whatever queries come through. And I do it personally because I'm very interested in hearing out, hearing what you would like to hear. Welcome back. You're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Choplis. If you are a healer or coach, you can discover more about scientific healing and the deceptively simple processes by going to scientifichealer.com forward slash action and download your action guide for discovering your biggest challenge to success. Before the break, we were talking to Sherry Strong about sugar addiction and why you should be free of it. Let's dive deeper into her process. Welcome back, Sherry. I'm so excited to be talking about this because it's really personal and I'm sure it's really personal for a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's great you're addressing it. Yeah, so before the break, we were, um, we were talking about getting that people are addicted to sugar and how and why it's important to cut it out of your life. Um, tell, let's talk about a really difficult case, somebody that's really resistant to it and, and how you solve that for them. Yeah. So it's interesting. I had um, one, one student come to me who, um, Gina, who was definitely virgin or morbidly obese. And um, she was not just having sugar. She was having like six pots of coffee a day. So there was a lot going on for her. Um, and she went through actually a different program that I run to become a food coach and a 10 month program. And we went on retreat and all of those things. And it, she had great intentions of what she wanted to do in the world. And when I created the sweet freedom program, she knew that sugar was her piece. Mm -hmm. And I always beta test with my own food coaches before I take it out to the public. So I beta tested with them and she didn't show up for the program. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because months before she was like, this is the program I need. Um, and then uh, she, the second program she kind of dipped her toe into, but was a little bit avoidant. And the third time we ran the program, she went in all in and, uh, she was scared, like many people who go through it. And people like myself, there's a, a point where your addiction is so bad, you really think that sugar is stronger than you and that it's absolutely impossible to give it up and that you're just going to die, basically, <laughs> with the sugar in you. Um, and, uh, and she just basically followed the steps and showed up each day, you know, that one day at a time thing. She, she did the work, right, and, um, and basically felt that she at the end of it, she did the 30 day sugar challenge after the four weeks. And it's just an amazing, passionate, glowing um, testimonial of not only you can do it, even though it feels like it's impossible. And by doing it, your example. So she is a foster mother to children, uh, Aboriginal children here in Canada. And so her latest intake was five children. Wow. Now she's modeling this food and these kids are getting food for the first time. You know, some of them, unfortunately, you know, had some pretty um, mm -hmm. uh, tragic things going on in their life. And, and they're just, you know, 
bringing their mugs up for, you know, more smoothie and, you know, they're finishing everything in their bowls and licking the plates and stuff like that. So not only is she inspired and changed her own life, but she's now passing it on to children who may never have experienced this kind of nourishment so far in their life. Yeah, it's really dramatic what a little bit of nourishment will do, especially for children, how how their behavior changes, how their you know, their drive changes, their willingness to, to work really hard to learn, and they, they just completely transform. Absolutely. Most children now who are fed, you know, the standard American, the SAD diet, um, their brains are malnourished, you know. And the yes, they are. And what's interesting, my, my grandson goes to a preschool here where they supply the food, and my, my daughter, you know, we've been on health food since we were the health nuts in the 1960s, the health nuts down the block. So, uh, you know, it goes from generation to generation. And what you were saying about the, the food prep, I used to always have my kids involved in food prep and they would cut yeah. veggies and they loved eating the veggies, yeah. right? People say, I can't get them to eat it. Just get them involved in the food prep. And, um, and they open his lunchbox, the, all the attendants, and they're all jealous about what she prepares for him. <laughs> but he, he, is, he is lean, healthy, vibrant, strong, just uh, does way better than the other kids. And it's really mm -hmm. sad that, that's, that they feed him mac and cheese for lunch, which is just junk food. Yeah, it is. There's nothing that's going to nourish, energize, or protect their body. Correct. So yes. I, I really agree with that. So what's a tip or two? We're going to talk about this, this seven yeah. day challenge because I, I downloaded it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, what's a tip or two that someone could get started in their life? So uh, it's, it's really tempting to just want to go tomorrow cold turkey and cut it out. And people who do this, there's like 1% of the population that have success long-term when they do that. So the first piece is you have to start to have an awareness before you can change stuff. Because if you're just cutting it out and you haven't done the awareness piece, mm -hmm. you're treating the symptom, not cause. Mm -hmm. So first piece, let start to look at how much sugar is in your diet. So that means where it is in all the foods, start to look at every single label, ask at the restaurant, Oh, is there sugar in this dressing? You know, things that you wouldn't think it's in. You just start to become aware, write it down. Not many people are good with food journals. Sometimes I'll get people to do, put sticky notes on everything in their cupboard that has sugar in it. So every time they're pulling in their fridge, every freezer, every time they're pulling it out, they start to realize, oh my goodness, that has sugar in it. So that creates a certain level of awareness. So not just how much you're having, but where it's all hiding in everything. But then you want to create this other area of awareness of where am I triggered to have sugar? Because if you just work on this pit bit, and you're not dealing with how do I actually handle when I'm triggered and what do I actually do when I am triggered and have non-food tools to cope with it. It's, it's very likely that you're not going to last in any kind of getting off of sugar. So the awareness piece, piece is the first piece to start to look at. And then the next piece is just start to nourish yourself before you give up sugar, just in every single meal, make sure that you have something that's living, green, nourishing, energizing, and protective. So I'm not getting you to change anything and cut anything out first. Just start to bring in the, the good, you know, bring in the nourishment, depending on how saturated your body is with processed food. It's going to, it, you know, will depend on when you start to notice it, but most people notice a dramatic shift by nourishing themselves within seven days. And then um, once you start to develop this habit of nourishing yourself and it becomes, well, I just have something living, you know, and healthy and nourishing with every meal, then start to work on, okay, where in my life am I toxic? Like, where do I have toxicity? Um, where, and your triggers are a really good place to actually uncover that information. So whenever I have a conversation with so-and-so, whenever I start to gossip, whenever I watch this television show, whenever I read this graphic, you know, crime novel, I might have some joy and pleasure in the moment, but it's very short lived. And then mm -hmm. I'm left with this hangover of anxiety or fear mm -hmm. or not feeling good about ourselves. So start to excavate where you're toxic and start to repattern. I call it the Costanza me method. <laughs> Well, so. it's really interesting. I, I like this whole approach of, you know, preemptively taking care of the problem before it happens. 
Yeah. And so I've been, I've been really careful with my food forever. And when I used to fly across the country, I always packed a meal or fly, you know, I used to live in Europe, and I'd fly to here, and I'd pack my food. And then I knew exactly where to go shopping to get the food that I needed um, at when I was staying in different hotels, so I wouldn't go to the coffee shop or, you know, ha have the, the food there. And it, and so you just preemptively take care of it, you plan ahead, preemptively take care of it, make sure that you're, you're nourished. But now the behaviors, the changing behaviors, like what triggers you? Okay, now what am I going to do when I get triggered? So taking care of it in a non-food way. Yeah. So that I, I really love that approach because that's something, you know, I hadn't thought of. I just preemptively take care of it that I'm having my meals. And when I have my meals, then I'm nourished and I don't worry about other stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, but taking care of the emotional stuff, that's, that, that's really, really important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so, so many businesses fail, um, fail pretty early on. What, what keeps you going? Like, you know, a lot of people learn uh, something like, oh, sugar's bad. Or, you know, like for me, for me, I teach people how to heal themselves. And then they just don't want to do it for other people. They just keep it for themselves and their families. So what, what is that keeps you going? And why are you still in business after all this time? Well, I, I often joke, I say, I don't know for certain if they're past or future lives, but if there is such a thing, I came to this incarnation for the food. <laughs> so I, I believe that that being starved as a, a young baby with baby formula, um, malnourished at the very least, um, stars probably dramatic, um, and then having a natural love for food um, and wanting to, from a young age, like when I left high school, I studied to become a missionary. So from 11 years of age, I used to cry myself to sleep, worrying about the world around me, even though I myself grew up in a very tumultuous, dysfunctional home um, and didn't feel safe in that home. So I think I came into the world with a love of food. I came in with a desire to actually want to make the world a better place and was malnourished to kind of as a training ground <laughs> to help me do this work because it's, it's so needed right now. So for me, it's mission driven. and. Um, you know, I, money's not my priority in life. I know I need it and I, I like it. I like the freedom that it affords me, but it's always about making a difference and a change. And, um, and that, that evolves how I actually help people. And the more I learn, the better I am equipped mm -hmm. to be able to help people, but that's what keeps me going. I just can't do anything else. Right. So in other words, whatever, whatever discomfort you have, the mission is so much bigger than any of that. Right? Yes. And Quite frankly, Anastasia, I'm unemployable. I, you know, after this long of working for myself, I wouldn't hire me. <laughs> You're better off being a boss. <laughs> so what's your biggest challenge now? Well, we have the seven-day challenge, which you, you downloaded. And um, as um, uh, you know, it's free. Uh, we want to get it out to a million people. Uh, for a lot of people, the thought of giving up sugar is just too much and it's inconceivable. But what I do know is if you can have your sugar consumption of what you're having, it's going to increase your energy significantly. So we want to get the, the Sweet Freedom Eat Less Sugar 7-Day Challenge out to a million people, and that's our biggest challenge this year. Okay, so everybody, we're going to tell you how to download it in just a minute or two. <laughs> so you'll, you'll know how. And then... Uh, something another question so what's the biggest lesson that you learned like I love this whole why you're you're staying in it because um, uh, a lot of people we choose you know it's the way we look at it in in energy healing is that you choose your challenge when you're little because that's what's going to evolve into something bigger so I somehow chose my challenge, difficult relationships and then getting sick from all the stress <laughs> and, then, and doctors had no answers. So I had to learn how to heal in order for me to get well. And I'm going, okay, this is my mission, right? Plus, plus learning all this science and then combining the two. So, so it's really interesting how, how we kind of have these little pieces and then we create this this bigger picture in business and create a mission out of it. And it's just fascinating. I've 
interviewed so many people that I see the same exact thing, that those challenges that we had were going, hey, wait, it doesn't have to be this way. So, so really awesome. So out of all this, what's the biggest lesson that you learned to do over again you'd pass on to someone else just starting out? Um, well, there's kind of there's two, two parts to it. I mentioned before, uh, Stephen Pressfield gave me the biggest piece of advice is begin before you're ready. Start before you're ready. Don't wait till you're ready. Mm-hmm. And that's why something like the seven day challenge is great. Cause it's not asking you to give up sugar. It's just get, asking you to get started. Beautiful. And the other piece to it, which I just, I can't extricate myself from it. It's an act of love. And mm-hmm. when you can start this process from a place of love and not fear, not fear of death, not fear of, you know, being fat or whatever it is, but you can start it from a place of love. I, I love living on the planet. I love living in a fit, vital body. I love to be of value to my world. And I know I'm going to do that if I take care of this vessel I have. Um, so if you come at it from that intention, you will be a draw resources and resources will stay with you to help you on your path. Yeah. And something else that you said is that uh, what's interesting, we as spirits, when we leave this body, we as spirits, we don't have taste buds, we don't have skin we don't have ears we don't have eyes and we don't you know so all of these sensations that we're experiencing right now this is like oh man it's so awesome so being able when you were saying oh i you know the taste of food and i think that we as spirits are going oh you know taking a bite of a fresh fruit and all the complicated flavors that infuse into your mouth it's a it's it's a wild experience when you look at it that way and sugar is just boring in comparison well in comparison like the the strict version the unnatural version mm-hmm. i often like i i think like that with you i think imagine i was you know in the spirit world going Oh, I really want to try chocolate. <laughs> my philosophy is I'd rather live to a hundred with chocolate than 120 without chocolate. So I agree until you get to a hundred and you're going, I could have had 20 more years. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll try it in another form in another life, but I definitely know that that's, you know, that's part of my human experience. Some people are race car drivers, some people mountain climb and they take risks in different ways. I take it with exceptionally good chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, And the other piece, too, that I know is something that's uniquely human and different to other species, many other species, is the joy and pleasure we get from the social connection in which we're eating. And we now know that that social context in which we eat is as powerful as what we're eating. So I often say I'd much rather have a greasy bowl of noodles with people who are kind, positive, loving, and upbuilding than to have the most gourmet, nutritiously prepared meal with people who are angry, depressed, and negative. But the power of combining something that tastes good, that nourishes you, and you have that social connection, like the French have a proverb that says, where love sets the table, food tastes its best. Food truly can become a transformative experience. And then you eat to nourish, you eat for pleasure, and you never or rarely overeat when you're doing it from those places. Well, when you, when you cook with the intention of love, it's infused into the food and Absolutely. it tastes different. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a really, it's really true. Whatever, whatever we're feeling and whatever our intention is for whatever we're doing gets infused. Like yeah. it, it's like we radiate out, we radiate, our heart radiates out at least 20 feet Yeah, and it radiates. We know this from science, right? So it gets infused into the food and it picks up its frequency and it gets all together. So you're right. Doing it with love, it's going to taste way better. So think about that when you're cooking your next healthy meal and thinking, oh, I have to eat this healthy food. <laughs> be better. It'd be better if you ate mac and cheese if you're happy about, you know, if you're cooking it with love. Oh, this is going to be so good. <laughs> but now we want to turn it around and have people eat real food with that same feeling of love because yeah. you're loving yourself when you eat really good food. You and that's really important. Yeah. Really. So how can people get a hold of you and describe your free gift for helping people get started in getting off sugar? Yes. So our, our program is a seven day challenge. It Mm -hmm. has video, audio, PDFs. It has Mm -hmm. a Facebook group that you can link into to ask any questions at any time. Um, And it's free and you just have to go to sweet 
S W E E T freedom mm-hmm. C A. So it's not a dot com. I couldn't get the dot com. It's a dot C A. And mm-hmm. it's right at the top there. If you just want to sign up for it, um, you literally just have to supply your name and email and uh, it gets sent to you right away and you can get started right away. Right. And it has a lot of information about you too there. So people can find out more about your different exploits and how, um, and I'm sure a lot of people are interested in losing weight. So you lost a bunch of weight doing it this way. And so have a lot of other people, right? So, so you're, you're very obese person. She leaned down to. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's really, really, I'm sure more and more people will be interested in finding out and, and I'm sure that, you know, once they know that their immune system gets compromised, that it affects everything, you know, the teeth, the bones, everything gets affected by having too much sugar. Right. And it's, it also, uh, interestingly enough, causes um, a lot of irritation on the inside of veins. So it causes cholesterol deposition which, right, so there's so many other health problems that are generated, not yeah. just diabetes, but heart disease. Right? Well, Dr. Nancy Appleton has shown there's over 146 diseases and con- conditions that are directly linked to sugar. And so diabetes, we know, heart disease, we know conclusively. In fact, the sugar industry blocked a lot of that research and information that proved it conclusively. And now Alzheimer's is called diabetes type 3 or diabetes of the brain. Yes, I, I've heard that. So Absolutely. It, it impacts everything. It creates inflammation and it strips nutrients from your body. It, you know, and disconnects you from your true source of healing, I believe. Exactly, exactly. Thank you so much. This has been so informative and so awesome. I can't wait for this show to air. And I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of downloads for your Sweet Freedom program because it, it's really great. I mean, I've gone through some of them and I'm going, I can do that. I can do that. Right. And I'm sure everybody else can do that too. Absolutely. Okay. So thank you for listening to Scientific Healing and for our fascinating guest, Sherry Strong. You can connect with her again and download that free seven day challenge at sweetfreedom.ca. Let's you and I connect. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash energize me to check out my certification program to help you thrive as a healer or coach while building out your practice. When you're ready to learn more, I invite you into a conversation right now. I've reserved time for you on my calendar at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. This is Dr. Anastasia Chopoulos. Until next time. <music>